Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Well, uh, how many old school people do we have here? You, you do things a little bit old school. Some of you don't want to admit it. I mentioned old school this morning. I'm, I'm only 53, but I don't feel 53. But I, in some ways, I guess I am old school. I'd rather, I'd rather make a phone call than send a text message personally. My wife's on the text message side. See there? See those amens over there? They got it over here. I don't know about y'all, but some things we do are old school. My granddad was old school. Of course, he's 93 and gone on to be with the Lord. But, but you know, he did things the old school way. Uh, one of those things that he did, and I want to minister along these lines tonight, today, is, is praying through. There was an old term that they used to say, the old timers. And some of you, if you remember that term, you're an old timer. If you do this, you're an old timer. You will be one day, so just hold on. Everybody's getting older. I, I, I was 15 years old with Pastor Mario. We were getting into all kinds of trouble breaking into houses and, and getting caught stealing, doing all kinds of things. We come from a long line of criminals. How many? That's, that's you. You come from a long line of, of sinning criminals. But my granddad got saved, and he would pray through. He had a, when, he, when he started out, they didn't have anything. They, they struggled a lot, but eventually they began to make some money, and they, they got ahead, and and when he built his house, before he went on to be with the Lord, the last house he built, he built with a room for prayer. It was a prayer room. He built a prayer room in his house. He didn't have to go to the church. It was in his house, in his garage. And he would get up in the middle of the night, and he would go in there, and he'd pray from 2 to 3, 2 to 4. Uh, he would just go in there, and he would pray. And people would send him pictures, and they would send him names and prayer needs. And I would go into that, that prayer room. It was probably about as long as I would say it would be about as long as from here to those pictures right there. And about, I would say, maybe about this, maybe about four or five feet, feet wide or something like that. It wasn't huge. And on those walls, he had names and pictures and all kinds of prayer requests that people would send him. And he would go in there and he would just pray for those knees. Sometimes an hour, two hours, three hours. Then he'd go back to bed. And he would pray, pray, pray because he knew that there was something about prayer that made the difference. Going to church is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad you're here. We all ought to be here. But there's another dimension, there's another element. If you want to see the victory and the favor of God and you want to see a breakthrough in your life, learn to pray. It's good to hear from God. It's good to hear the preaching of the Word. But when you get down on your knees, you don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to know all the any scriptures hardly. You just simply need to know that there's a God in heaven and He's waiting on us. He wants to hear you. You can pray. You don't have to have, I mean, think about that man that was on the cross next to Jesus. There was one that he, he mocked the Lord, but then there was that guy on the other side, and, and he was a thief. He knew he was in trouble. He knew he was dying. He said, Lord, remember me. I mean, that's not much of a prayer, is it? All the intercessors, you know, he, 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 there's no intercessory prayer there. Lord, 
Remember me when you get into your kingdom. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. It wasn't much of a prayer. He didn't even get baptized. How's he going to go to heaven? He didn't get baptized. Some people think if you don't get baptized, you're not going. He didn't get baptized. He didn't even join a church. Right? He didn't even hardly pray the, the, the prayer that you think some people need to pray. All he did was simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a prayer in our lives that is a prayer that breaks through the, the, the noise and the, and the fight that the devil is bringing against us in our situation. I found an article about a lady in 1925. This is truly old school going way back to 1925, and it says in this article, in 1925, the Lord told Bishop Charles Harrison Mason to send Elder O.T. Jones to pastor a large mission in Philadelphia. Elder Jones asked if my husband and I would assist him. Bishop Mason said yes and told me that my job was to pray and to write for the church. One afternoon, the Lord called my attention to a bad situation in the neighborhood. I asked God if he would give us the victory if I made a covenant with him to pray. This is, this is how a lot of us, like Pastor Mario was saying, we, we like to negotiate and make a deal with God. God, if you do this, I'll do this. Right? Anybody ever made a deal with God? Probably if you were heading to jail and you, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'm going to go to church. I'm going I'm to straighten up, right? He, this, is what she, this is what she says. I made a covenant with him to pray. He said he would. God told me to meet him the next morning at the river at 7.30. I went home, asked my husband to take me to Riverside Drive the next morning. I was so afraid I would miss the appointment with the Lord that I sat up all night and crocheted. I dared not put my trust or confidence in an alarm clock. We arrived at a place where a tree was bent over the road, and the Lord said, This is the place. As I stood alone between two large stones, the presence of God overshadowed me, and I acknowledged his presence with tears, and he delighted. Good morning, Jesus, I said. Lord, if you will bless my husband in the place that you sent him to establish your name, if you will break the bonds and destroy the middle wall of partition, if you will give him a church and a congregation that is a credit to your people and all, Christendom, I will walk with you for three years in prayer, day and night. I'll meet you every morning at 9 a.m. sharp. You'll never have to wait for me. I'll be there to greet you. I will stay there all day, and I will devote all of my time to you. Furthermore, if you will listen to the voice of my supplication and break through in that wicked neighborhood and bless my husband, I will fast 72 hours each week for two years. While I'm going through this fast, I will not go home to sleep in my bed. I will stay in church, and if I get sleepy, I'll rest on newspapers and carpet. I mean, oh, that's like hardcore. That is truly old school. As soon as I made my covenant, the heavens opened, and the glory of the Lord fell from heaven all around me. I knew he had prepared me to enter into prayer ministry. At 9 a.m. each day, the doorknob of the church would turn. I would greet the Lord with a hearty, good morning, Jesus, and I would kneel and pray until I wore the skin off my knees on those hard floors. The flesh on my bones was numb, and I fasted, not eating or drinking natural food, 
but I, but I had a direct supply from heaven. Soon the mission was too small and to accommodate the people, and my husband requested I pray for another place nearby. I prayed, and a man who had been in business for 25 years decided to rent us the building. By this time, I realized the Lord was showing me some of his glory. But the people did not understand why I devoted so much time to church. There were, there were not, these were not sinners. They, prof, they professed to love God as I did. I mean, sometimes your biggest opposition is going to come from other people that you thought were on your side. People that you thought would encourage you. They would come to the church and pull and shake me to get me to leave the altar, but I never opened my eyes. The devil put out diabolical propaganda that I was an old witch and a magic book reader. But when they came and saw my tear-stained face, they, they repented with tears for allowing the devil to sow evil seeds in their minds. The Lord was so sweet in my soul. He amused me with the scriptures and supported me with his arms. I had no idea that I would ever see my name in the headlines of newspapers and magazines. But my testimony was printed under the title, What It Means to Pray Through. As a result, I received more than three million letters. That's a lot of letters. From all parts of the world, from people wanting to know what it means to pray through. What does it mean to, to pray through? I want to minister this morning on going again in prayer. I'm not, I'm not going to preach a long time today, but I want to give us time in the altars today to pray. There's something very significant about, about prayer. There's something powerful about getting a hold of God and, and breaking through in our lives. You know, God is listening. It's like he's, he's bending his ear down and he's waiting, waiting to hear from us. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask, seek, and knock. How many remember that? Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Sometimes we knock and, and we, we don't even wait for the door to be opened. We knock and then we go. We ask and then we go. We're seeking, but we're not looking very hard. It's like we've just got a little dose of, of religion. We got a little touch of it. We need more than just a touch of religion. You can go to church all of your life. You can come to this church, and people are going into eternity from church pews all across America because all they do is they come, and they, don't, they, they never reach a place where they get down on their knees and they touch heaven with their prayers. They do like that man who went to the prayer, went to pray. These two men, if you remember the story in one, the Bible says, he said, at least I'm, Lord, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like this person over here. I'm glad I'm not like this guy. There's two guys there, and one says, I'm glad I'm not like that one. You might be the one that, that they would say, I'm glad I'm not like so-and-so. I'm glad I'm not like him. I'm glad I don't have their problems. But the other one, he came and he prayed, and the Bible says that his prayers made it to heaven because he said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen? Have mercy on me for my ready dose. Praise God. Over in 1 Kings, turn with me in your Bibles. How many brought a Bible with you to church? Amen. Grab, get yourself a good Bible if you can. You can find them. Get it, if, they'll probably help you get one here. Pastor, one of the, one of the workers will help you get one if you, if you need one. I'd get a good Bible. 
I'd get a good study Bible if you could and, and mark it up. Underline things. When you see what we've, what we've got and what we're putting up on these screens, I'd get, a, I'd get a pen and I'd underline some things and I'd write in the margins and put a few notes in there. You'll go back and you'll see all the, all the times God has spoken to you. It'll be a blessing to you. First Kings chapter 18, this is a story where Elijah is being used to, to uh, there's, a, there's a miracle that's about to take place. And, and it, this, it's been a day, I can tell you, it's been a day for Elijah here. He's, he's been up against the, the 450 prophets of Baal. He's called down fire from heaven. When they, said, when they said their God was God, Elijah said, no, there is a true God. And let the God that is, that is true answer by fire. They danced around their, their altars. They, they called on Baal. They called on this God that they had, just hoping that something would happen. And they were begging. And I like Elijah, man. He's got, he's got some, uh, some fire in him. He, he, even, he even mocked him a little bit. He even said, well, you know, maybe your God is, maybe he went to the bathroom. Maybe he's on the toilet. I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. That's my version. Maybe he went to the bathroom. Maybe he's on vacation. He's mocking them because there's no answer coming. But then when it came his turn, he prayed and he said, let the God of heaven answer by fire. And, it, it, and fire came down from heaven. If there's an instant replay in heaven, I want to see that right there. And he sends fire down from heaven. It doesn't just, it doesn't just lick up the, the sacrifice on the altar. It licks up all the water, takes all the water and all of the, all of the, even the stones. Everything that's there is caught up. And, and it's, been a, it's been quite the day for him, to say the least. He's, he's even killed 450 prophets there. But there's, there's a famine that has taken place. It was because of what Elijah had prophesied. He said there's not going to be rain on the land. There's going to be a famine. But there was a time when he, he said, you know what? It's time for, for things to change and circumstances to change. And he prayed for rain. And in 1 Kings 18 and verse 41, it says it like this. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he lowered himself, or he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Let me pause right there for just a second. I, there, there is a posture for prayer. There's a posture for prayer. How many know what it is to be reverent? You know what reverence is? It's respect. It's honor. I was walking into a Starbucks one day, and there was a soldier that came in, and he did not take off his hat when he went through. He, did, he went all the way to the counter and didn't remove his hat. That was a no-no, because there were some other soldiers in there that, they, I mean, they wore him out. I mean, with their words. They took him to task on it because of reverence. There, there's, a, there's a reverence that comes from being in the presence of God Almighty. There, there's, an, there's a posture in our lives. We bow our heads. I remember when my son, Evan, he's 28 now, but I remember he was just a couple years old. We went into a restaurant, and I said, okay, everybody. I had the whole family there. I said, let's pray. You know what he did? He said, I ain't praying. He held his head up straight. I said, Evan... He was little. He's a little guy. I said, "It's time to pray." 
Let's bow our heads. We all bow our heads in prayer. He didn't want to do it. I said, come on, let's go take a little walk outside. And we had a little conversation. It was a kind, he's just a little guy. I didn't hurt him, don't you worry. But he, he bowed his head out in the parking lot, and all the way to the table, he had his head bowed and his eyes closed. <laughs> he learned a valuable lesson. There's reverence. He's bowing, he's bowing before the, for God Almighty. When I, when I come to an altar, I come... I, you know, I understand, you know, when, in Kenya we have uh, dirt floors and, and uh, you know, we sweep them, but it's still dirt, you know. And, and sometimes people don't want to get down on their knees, but we've got carpet here, man. What a blessing it is. You know, it's not too much. Even, even in prayer, when we go to the prayer room, that we can find a place and we can humble ourselves and get down before the Lord and find a place at a seat sometime. I told our men in our discipleship, because we were, guys were, were walking, they, and this one's walking this way, and it, I, I told them, it's like, air, I got to be like air traffic control in here. I got one, one this way, y'all bumping into each other, and, you know, how do you pray if, if, if you're not focused I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of this. I'm not trying to, to, to say anything like that. I'm just saying that there is a posture for prayer where we humble ourselves and we get down. And, and this is what Elijah did. He put his head down between his knees. What he was saying was, God, I'm, I'm humbling myself before you. You can take that for however you want and for whatever it's worth. But Elijah went up to Mount Carmel and bowed himself down on the earth, put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now and look towards the sea. And he went up and looked, and he said, There is nothing. How many times have you prayed for something and nothing happened? Has that happened to you before? It happened to me lots. Yeah, I thought I was going to see something. I looked and, and prayed, and I thought the answer was coming, and, and nothing happened. There was no answer. That's what he's saying right here. That's a good place to underline or circle in your Bible. There is nothing. Because there's a lot of times that we face something like that. And what a lesson in faith this is. That when there, Sometimes we're going through something and we, we prayed for a miracle, but we get a, we get a negative doctor's report. Well, I thought I, I got prayed for. I thought I was going to go back and then the doctor was going to say everything was gone, but there's nothing. There's no change. I thought I was going to get a miracle. I thought because I gave and pastor said, you know, give and it will be given unto you that I was going to see a miracle in my finances and everything was going to be different, but there's nothing. That's what he's, that's what's happening here. He sends his servant up to look for a miracle, to see what's happening and to see if there's anything, if there's any rain. And he says, look towards the sea. He went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. Too many people accept there is nothing, those words right there, as the final word. The doctor does not have the final authority. I know, I, I know there's a, the bank statement is real. I know that there, there's, a, there's some truth, and there's, that, that would be what would be considered a fact, right? We would say it's a fact. The doctor said there's cancer. The doctor said that there's, there, there's no hope. That would be, by, by reasonable standards, that would be what would be considered a fact, right? But that's not the fact. The fact is that Jesus went to the cross. Jesus is a miracle worker. That's the real truth. That's not, the, that's not something a doctor can say. Jesus is, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's the giver of life. 
So it doesn't mean that we that those things aren't. We, I know they're real. I'm not denying that there's circumstances and there are symptoms and things that we're dealing with. But the, the final authority in all of these things is in God. He can. He does what he wants. He can turn. He can turn an impossible situation around. We know that. In verse 43, he says to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. He went up and he looked. He said, there is nothing. And then he said, go again. Everybody say, go again. That means don't give up. Don't quit. You might be quitting too soon. You might be just around the corner from the blessing and the miracle that God wants to do in your life. Maybe you've had a miscarriage. And you're struggling and you're fighting and the devil's lied to you and you wonder, is God, is God even thinking of me? Is God considering me? You listen to me. God is faithful. In between us and our answer is this, this middle ground, this, uh, this opposition. That's where the devil lives. That's where the devil fights. You, you need a victory. You know what you need. You know what you want. You prayed about something. There's, a, there's an opposition to your prayers. He stands in the way. The devil fights us. He, he's, not, he's not for your marriage. He's not for your finances. He's not for those relationships being restored. He doesn't want that unsaved husband or wife or children to be, to be changed, their lives to be set free. He's going to fight every, every inch. And this is a spiritual battle that we're facing. We've got to, we've got to get into the fight here. So, well, I, I don't like to fight. Well, you better, you, we better learn to fight. We need to learn. We need to get some spiritual backbone. Right? That, all, those, all those things we used to do out in the world and the things we, some people, they, they live to fight. I know we got some over here because I can hear them. And, the, and, and there's some of the rest I know. Lived to fight. But all of a sudden, they get saved, and they lose all their unction and their, their passion for things. We just, we just channel that. I think, we, you know what? Still, yeah, yeah, you can be angry. I mean, was Jesus angry? He sure was. He turned those tables over. There's a place where we get mad at the devil, and we take authority, and we take dominion like I preached last night. Go again, he says, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Faith will always be challenged by facts. Don't let reason, don't let your own senses and reason get in the way of faith in God and serving God and trusting in Him. People have reason before faith. Jesus reversed this. He says you need to have faith before reason. You need to be able to see it and then believe it. See it with your mind's eye. Amen. Believe it with believe it in your heart, but see it in your mind's eye. And reason follows to confirm. Pastor Jones, my dad, has a saying, and I don't know where he got it. I think it was from my grandmother's Bible. I've got several things from from the pages of her Bible. And it and she wrote in there, faith and reason 
can never be reconciled. They don't come together. Faith and reason, they're, they're two separate things. Faith doesn't operate on the, on the five senses and what we see and, and, and what we can understand. There's, we, need to, we need to step out in faith in things. And Jesus gives an example of this in John 20. It says in verse 24, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. You see my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, stop doubting and believe. Sometimes you need to hear it. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they have believed. There's a faith that is blessed because of what Jesus said right here in verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they have believed. It's a faith that's free from, from suspicion. It's a faith that is, in, that is trusting in God. And you don't know how it's going to work. You don't know when it's going to work, when it's going to come through. You don't, you, all you know is that, be, that God is true, and God has said it, and I'm going to trust in His Word. Our doctors... Our doctors uh, Important? Sure. Thank God for doctors. I believe in going to doctors, I, but I understand they, they are simply men or women. They're, they're human. They, they don't have all of the answers. We had a lady testify last week in, in our service. Her mom, they'd been praying for her. Had a, she had a hole in her ear. Anytime water got into her ear, it would drain into her throat. It, she got water in her ear. There was a hole. The doctor said, there, that we can't do anything about that. And, and I don't know for, for what reason, I don't know, but I know that we prayed for this woman, and she got healed, and the doctors, when she went back and they looked at her ear, he, he, he looked in there, and he said, oh, and, the, and her daughter was with her. She thought, oh, he's seen something bad. He's, there's, there's a problem here. She said, what is it? He said, that hole is closed. He says, it's a miracle. When the doctor says it's a miracle, how many know that's a good thing? He said, it's a miracle. It's a faith that's free from suspicion. Is it, is it, do we ask? And sometimes I ask God, why? God, why, why isn't this happening? Why, are, why is it taking so long? But God doesn't owe me an explanation. You can ask, but you don't, you're not owed an explanation for why everything happens. It'd be nice to know on, on some things, but, you know, God's got his own. He's, he sees the end from the beginning. And that's, a, that's something that you and I don't always have because we're in the middle of the fight and we're in the thick of it and we've got the, 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 the struggle that we're dealing with and all we see is the problem. It's hard to see the blessing. It's hard to see the victory. It's hard to see what God is doing. Perspective is a great thing. I was sharing in that early service that, that uh, you know, as you get older, one of the, uh, probably about one of the few things that's good about getting older is you get perspective. 
You're able to look back. You can see, and you can tell somebody that's, that's coming up through something, hey, I've been where you're at. I've gone through those, those years. I've seen those troubles and how, people, how God has, has worked in those situations. It, you get above the problem. You get above the situation, and you can see it in a way that, that it's hard to see when you're just in the middle of it. And when somebody's going through it, they think, man, this is terrible. I'm never going to get through this. How am I ever going to get out of debt? How are we, am I going to ever uh, have this relationship healed? How is this marriage ever going to get better? This is, this is te- it's terrible. I don't, I don't want to have to be through this. But you know, let me tell you something. I, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are in front of you. God's got better things for you. Thank God for all the blessings and the miracles and things he's done in this church. But the best days for this church are ahead of us, not behind us. Amen. And maybe you just, maybe you've just started coming. Maybe you've just, you've just come into the church. It's been maybe this year, this is your first year in this church. You, you are in the right place at the right time. For such a time as this, you've come into the kingdom of God. God's brought you into this place. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, it says like this. All these people, which he's talking about those heroes of the faith. If you go and read Hebrews 11, you read about all these great men and women of God who'd, who accomplished great and mighty things. They were still living by faith when they died. That's what I want it to be said about me when I go on to be with the Lord. They did not receive the things promised. Well, hold on a second. I thought everybody got what they wanted. I shared with the men yesterday, you know, there's, there, there are people in the Bible, they didn't get their best life. You know, people, there, there's all these preachers and, and television personalities and everything. Oh, you can have your best life now. Well, what if you don't get the best life now? I mean, who in this place has gotten everything that they wish for in life? Who got the best case scenario? I mean, I say marrying my wife was the best case scenario. I could have ended up with somebody, uh, a wingnut or something, you know. But who got the best case scenario in life? I mean, there's probably a lot of areas of your life, right? Still living by faith. When they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. You know what that tells me? Everything that I'm dealing with, every problem, every struggle, every fight, every bill, every sickness, every pain, all of those things are just temporary. It's just temporary. We're going to, one day we're going to leave this earth. We're going to stand in the presence of God. We will be like him. It says they saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And then you jump down a few verses, and it says, Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Here, Elijah is, they've survived three years of drought. There's not a lot of faith. They're in survival mode. They're, they are uh, taking the fountains and the pools and the, and, the, and the grass and everything there just to keep the animals alive. I mean, it's, it's, these are like desperate times for, for the people in this day. And Elijah says, it's going to rain. Something's going to happen. And in 1 Kings 18 and 41, he says, there's a the sound of an abundance of rain. 
God's got miracles. He's got things available to you. There are possibilities. You, your mind can't even see it. The, one of my favorite verses, he says, it, it, it says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard. Remember that? Somebody find that for me. I, I want to know, I don't, what is that scripture? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Where is it? First Corinthians 2. And what? At 2.9. That's a good verse to memorize. Sometimes you know a verse, you just don't know its address. Right? I would rather know the verse and miss the address, right? But I could always go look it up. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You know what that means? You haven't even thought of it yet. The best that God has, you haven't even imagined it. You, You think you know what you need. And I think I know what I need. Sometimes I'm praying for something, and that's not the thing that God has for me. That's why I quit praying for people in a specific way. I quit praying, Lord, give them the desires of their heart. I quit praying that. Because that might not be the best thing for them. I'd rather pray, God, give them the desires of your heart. God, give them the Because what is it that God has for us? God knows better than we do, doesn't he? And it could be that there's, I mean, God's just saying, you know what? Just wait a little bit. I'm about to surprise you. I'm about to do something that you can't even imagine. In fact, your eye hasn't seen it and your ear hasn't heard it and you haven't even thought about it. I'm going to do something great and I'm going to do something miraculous. It was an ear of prayer that he had. An ear, not, not an eye, but an ear of prayer. Not a word. Some people say, well, I, I just need a word. No, what we need is ears. Let him that has ears to hear, let him hear. Like that guy that he was worried about his wife. She was losing her hearing. He told his friend, I think my wife's losing her hearing, uh, but I don't know how to tell her, you know. I don't want her to be upset. He said, well, next time you go home, you go in the house, and when you're standing behind her, you say something. If she doesn't hear you, you just take another step. And you say it again until she turns around. So he came in. She was cooking in the kitchen. And he says, what's for dinner? And, and he got nothing. So he took another step. He said, what's for dinner? He, got, he kept saying that until he got about three feet away. And she said, for the 10th time, we're having spaghetti. <laughs> you guys are going to have to explain it to these guys in the front. He was the one that had lost his hearing. He was the one with the problem. You know what we need? An ear to hear from God. He says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Well, how do you hear that? We've already, I've already been up there seven times. I've already looked. I went, I went and, and when he comes back every time, he says, you see anything? Nothing. It's like he's performing an audit. There's nothing significant. Nothing. Until finally he says, you know what? I saw this thing way out in the distance. It didn't look like much. I don't think it's much of a, uh, of a report, but there was a, just a little cloud. It was the size of a man's hand. He, Elijah heard it before the servant saw it. 
And there's something about prayer. Where was Elijah? He was on his knees. He was in, he was in prayer. He had his head down. He was talking to God. He was, in, he was doing business. There's a place where you can get a hold of God and pray through a problem and pray that thing all the way through to victory if you simply learn to not take no for an answer. And when you don't see it, don't get discouraged, don't give up, don't quit church, don't get mad at God, don't blame the pastor or blame somebody else or, or your circumstances. Just know there's an enemy in between here and the miracle, and there's, there's, a, there's a battle that's taking place, and I'm going to keep on going until I see God work in that situation. That's all we need, and it's going to be all right. Look at the person next to you, tell them it's going to be all right. Amen. It is going to be all right. I promise you. Let's bow our heads all over this place in prayer. Pray the promise again and again. Every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to the Lord. Praying through and getting the victory. Praying through. You might be going through some struggles right now that nobody knows about it, but God sees it. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're facing. If you're not in a battle, you'll face a battle at some point. There will be a day when you will go through something that's difficult, and you'll have to know how to get a hold of God, how to pray, how to talk to God. Hey, listen, it's not about fancy prayers. But it is about humbling ourselves and calling on Him and pressing through. Today, before we go to prayer and we, we invite the people to come in these altars, before we get down and talk to the Lord, I want to ask how many in this place, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You're not ready to stand in the presence of God. Maybe you came to this church, you were invited, you never expected a service like this. You've never been to a church where, where there was an opportunity given at the end of the service. It would be a shame, in my opinion, it would be a shame to present the gospel and not give people the chance to respond. When God is in this place and He's speaking to hearts and He's touching lives, He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to lift the burden of guilt and sin from your life. And I think sometimes people think, well, Jesus is knocking at the door like he's a beggar or something. No, it's not like that. We're the ones who are needy. We're the ones who need a Savior. We need forgiveness. We need Jesus to take the burden of sin and guilt from our lives and do a miracle in us. If you know that and you say, you know what, I recognize that. I realize I need Jesus. I realize I'm not ready and right with God. I'm not ready to stand before God. But I need salvation. I need Jesus to come into my heart. Pray for me, Pastor. How many would you just lift up your hands all over this place? You say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need salvation. I see this one. Yes, God bless you. I need another one here. Amen. You can put it down. How many more? How many more would join these? Be honest. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm needy. I need God to help me. I don't, I don't even know where to go in life. I don't even know what to do. I just, need, I just know I need Jesus to touch my life. Maybe you're away from God and you need to come back to your relationship with Him and you, you've lost your way. But today you say, I, I want to come back to Him. 
and re- renew my love, my faith in Jesus. How many that's you? Would you lift up your hand and you say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Yes, I see this one. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, ma'am. God bless you, all of you. Amen. You can put it down. Would you, let's all stand in this place. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you if you lifted your hand. We're gonna we're gonna take a minute to pray. We're gonna come and find a place to pray. But this altar call and any altar call that we do here, hear me clear. Any altar call we do is not just for sinners. Sometimes people look and they see, oh man, they must be a, they must be a dirty, low down, rotten person. I see them going every single week. Well, if I wasn't up here, I would be down here. I know who I am. I know what I'm, what I'm going through. And I see sometimes people, they just say, well, I can't bring myself to go down to an altar. I go down every time that, God, if it's not what, it was, what was preached on, God's dealing with me about something else. And even if he's not dealing with me, I know I've got lots of burdens, and I don't want to carry all those burdens. I'm going to give them to Jesus. So I don't, I don't think there's ever, I'm not, I'm not saying, and I'm not doing this so that everybody will come down. This is not for me. But I think one thing that we can learn as people is we, we can learn to, to humble ourselves and we can learn to come to him. We're coming to him. Let me just say this before we open up these altars, and I know the Holy Spirit is working. You have a heavenly father. He's a good father. He cares about you. He is not your earthly father. I have met so many men and women that had a lousy relationship with an earthly father. He is not an earthly father. He's on the giving side. He, he cares about you. He will, he will stand with you through every trial. He won't walk out on you. He walks with you. He steps in when nobody will step in. The Bible says he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's so good. It's so good to come to him. You can come to him and you can just lay your burdens out. And that's what prayer, that's all that prayer is, talking to Jesus, talking to God. Jesus makes a way. Amen. So we're going to open up these altars. If you lifted your hand, maybe you didn't and you wish you had, because I know that that's the case with people. Sometimes they think, well, I, I should have lifted my hand. You can come. So let's find a place today. Every person that lifted their hand, and even if you didn't, you can come and find a place to pray. And we're going to just kneel down in here. We're going to kneel down at an altar. We're going to kneel down on the carpet. I don't want you to just, try, don't just stand. You don't have to just stand. Let's just come. I understand if you're in a dress and you can't kneel down, that's no problem. But why don't we just get down before God and talk to him and just, just pour out our heart to him this morning? Can we do that? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you, Lord. We are your children. You're our Father. We come to you because we need you today. Lord, we come to you because we're broken on the inside. We're broken in our lives. Our bodies are broken. Our minds are tormented. Some are, are, are bound by, by oppression and depression, discouragement. The devil has just beat them up one side out the other. God, I just pray, Father, that you would just touch every heart in this place. We come to you, Lord, as needy people. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.